Juggling motherhood and modern day life can be stressful and relentless, but it doesn't need to be this way. The Joy of Being podcast is the answer to maternal mental health, bringing sustainable relief and calm to hardworking mums everywhere so that you, your family and work can thrive. My name is Marina Pearson and I'm your host, transformational coach and mum who loves to interview business owners, transformational professionals and creatives to have insightful conversations about what it takes to really live a life that is thriving, fulfilling and full of joy. So in the next coming weeks, I have decided to launch a coronavirus series in which I'll be bringing on amazing guests to talk about these uncertain times and how even in uncertainty, there can be an amazing opportunity for us to thrive. Now, that may sound weird, especially if you're seeing markets tumble, especially if you've got people around you that are suffering because of the the virus, uh, and maybe even if because you are scared of your business coming to a halt. Whatever it is, the fears that you have and the panic that you may be feeling, then this series is going to really help with that. I felt really compelled to bring this into uh, my awareness, but also into the awareness of you, the listener. So with that in mind, I'm super excited to be launching this series and for us to create a different conversation to the one that's being had in the media. Not to say that this isn't important, not to say that we're not entering into difficult times, but to say that there is and there are other ways of viewing it other than the panic and the fear that's being brought to the table. So if you are feeling that and you know you're, you are being affected by the coronavirus through your business, through your finances, through your health, then these are going to be incredible conversations to be tuning into. And if you know of anybody in that situation, then please, please, please do share the episodes with them. Enjoy. And on today's show, I have the beautiful Uma Dinsmore Tulling. Uma is quite a sensation. She has written four books. She met yoga when she was four and started practicing then. She's been uh, traveling all over the world and working with women with with their health due to yoga therapy and yoni therapy and has a lot of wisdom around the menstrual cycle. This is an episode that I have been wanting to do for a while because as women, we tend to not really understand our menstrual cycle, not really understand what it's sharing with us, especially uh, before and after we have children. Um, I don't know about you, but my body has changed enormously since having my son and so has my cycle. And as a result of that, I got curious about how we can tune into our cycle as a way to empower ourselves, but also as a way to understand our body's wisdom and what it's sharing. We talked about how the menstrual cycle is an incredible signal communication vehicle for us to understand ourselves far better than we do today if we didn't tune into it. So if you do have periods that are heavy, if you have periods that um, you have bad PMS, if you are suffering with them on a monthly basis, then this is going to be a great episode for you. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. And on today's show, I have Uma Dinsmore Tilly. Tuli. Tuli. Dinsmore Tuli. Um, and the little bit I know about Uma, because I actually was, was uh, it was an old client of mine who reached out to me to see if I wanted to bring Uma on the, on the call. And I said yes, because I, I did a little bit of research 
and really loved her energy and really was quite curious about what she was up to. So welcome, Uma. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you for the invitation. I'm delighted to be talking with you. <laughs> so Uma, tell us a little bit about what you do. And especially now, like, I'm, you know, um, the, the, the work you do, I'm assuming, is going to be very important for what's been going on in the world um, right now. So yeah, in the, in the Corona age, in the age of Corona. Age of Corona. Yeah, the COVID era. Um, what I often do, <laughs> which is not what I'm doing right now, is I run uh, yoga therapy groups for for women, well women yoga therapy. So I work a lot with um, individuals, but also with large groups, training up yoga therapists who specialize in supporting women's health through every stage of life. So a lot of stuff around postnatal recovery and menopause and menstruality consciousness, women's empowerment. It's like a kind of feminist healing work. But clearly, um, in meeting large groups of people all over the world <laughs> is what I have been doing. Evidently, I'm not doing like that right now. I'm also a writer. So I've written a lot about how we can um, integrate real empowerment practices for women to do with um, embracing our cyclical nature. I work a lot with cyclical wisdom. And I, so I've written about yoga for women, yoga therapy for women. It's probably yoga not in the way that you might imagine. It mostly involves lying quietly under blankets in comfortable supported positions and dreaming and trance work. So it's called yoga nidra and other work that's like yoni shakti yoga, which is source power yoga. So it's all about allowing women to kind of connect in with our intrinsic power and freedom through, uh, you know, practices that work at lots of dimensions of being. And mostly at the moment I'm writing because I've written four or five books about this and I see people online and I've done a lot, you know, some online trainings and things like this. So, so that part is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I'm really curious about the cyclical wisdom. That, that's kind of really something that's jumped out at me while you were talking. And I, and I kind of want to take it in that direction if you're okay with okay. that. Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, tell me a little bit more about cyclical wisdom, because of course we do have cycles, and um, um, we do have, you know, menstruation. And I'd love to know a little bit more about that wisdom that's there that we just take for granted, but could be really quite interesting for us to kind of go a little bit more deeply into that understanding. Yeah, I think the easiest way to to convey what's important about cyclical wisdom as, as a guidance system for life is to think about how each and every cycle of our lives, so not just menstruation, but also the creative process, the processes of menopause, the process of conception, fertility journeys, pregnancy, even the seasons of the year, the lunar cycles, everything is moving in cycles and circles. Mm-hmm. And so that if we try to pretend like we can work in a straight line, like nine to five, Monday to Friday, same schedule. Basically, we're going against life, against nature, against our intrinsic kind of mutable you know, way of being. That is, in fact, if we do that, we set up a conflict for ourselves because inherently all of life moves in circles and cycles and especially women's bodies do that. Everything 
that we experience that we might describe as like feminine functions, the functions of the female reproductive system and the functions of our emotional states are all in tune with internal rhythms and with external rhythms, like cycles of the day and the night, sleep and dream. So what's important in terms of the work that I'm doing to help people feel empowered and creative is to give everyone permission (laughs) to come out, you know, and say we are cyclical beings and that actually the idea of trying to just force through a lot of our education systems, our work practices, just like railroad over that stuff and try to get, especially women, to pretend, you know how it is, like we don't menstruate or like we're not going through menopausal challenges or that everything is going to be the same every day because we all know that it isn't. And um, one of the things that we can do is to welcome menstruality consciousness what into is, our lives. What is that? It's a great word. Menstruality is the word. Yeah, menstruality consciousness. What, menstruality. Does that, what does that even mean and how can it help us? So, what, yeah. What it means yeah. is that in the whole of a woman's life cycle, you've got four M's basically your menarche, which was the days that you the day you first began to bleed. Your menstruation, which is your like monthly or whatever rhythm they come in cycles, your menopause, which is another initiation into fat, and the mature years is four M's. Menstruality is a great word that was uh, invented in around, well, she sometimes says 1999, around 2004 by a New Zealand psychotherapist uh, called Jane Catherine Seven. And she decided that menstruality was the word we needed to dignify and identify that the whole of our lives is held by cyclical wisdom. A menstruality consciousness is the practice of of being welcoming, respectful, and consciously aware of these cycles. For example, how does this help? If you track your menstrual cycle, you can probably start to see your own patterns and that can actually act as an ally for you rather than having to fight through the premenstruum and pretend like, you're up for whatever it is and minding the kids and doing the work and that. And actually what you need to do is something else. You listen in to what the cycle is telling you. And it might tell you that your winter time, which is a way of staying the bleeding time, is your time for rest. Mm. And that your autumn time, which is another way of seeing this, is your premenstruum. And that's a time to kind of call back in your energies and not keep trying to pretend like you're friggin' superwoman, you know? Yeah. So that's what menstruality consciousness is, welcoming those cycles and working with them rather than fighting against them or trying to pretend like they don't exist. So, so can you um, give me an example? Uh, so, you know, we have different, I'd, I'd love to break this down a little bit more. So we have um, ovulation time, we have when we bleed, we've also got the time after that. So I'd love to sort of, is there, within that 28-day period, um, is there a cycle we we're not should be following? But what if, if we tune into that, what yeah. is the natural way of us to be versus ignoring it completely and railroading that? Okay. 
Well, it all depends. I believe every woman's cycle is her own business. And the only way to figure out what works for you is to pay attention. So the first guidance is like pay attention and welcome the changes. So track dreams, track uh, creative process, track physical and emotional and energetic kind of responses, whether your vitality is high or low. And for example, I find it helpful to map it onto the seasons or the creative process so that you can see for me for example I talk about my cycle and then you can say well actually it's not quite like that for me but what I find is during the summertime the ovulation time it's as if the lights are up in the outer world and I'm kind of of service in the outer world like the summertime it's like my intention is to have I have high energy and there's a lot of um, capacity to be productive and of service in a visible way outside yeah when I get into the autumn time, the, the premenstruum, I know for myself that if I carry on railroading it and going, yeah, 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 I can keep up the pace, what will happen is I will get angry, I will get exhausted, I will get knocky, I will get tired, I will get resentful, and basically I will feel miserable. I might end up very depressed if I keep on trying to maintain summer energy. It's a little bit like you wouldn't want to keep wearing your bikini through into the autumn time. You want to put on a sweater and, you know, it's like the outer seasons have an impact on us and we respond, but we try not to pay any attention to the inner seasons. So if I pay attention to that autumn, what I'll do is start to say no a bit more. Say, no, I don't want to have all your kids around my house. No, I don't want to go and visit this, you know, support this elderly person and do this shopping and get that two deadlines done. Can I move that deadline the next week, you know, I will be on the other side of my winter time because in the winter time, I know if I don't stop, what will happen is I will burn out when I get to the other side of the cycle. Do you know what I mean? Each cycle section will relate to the others. So if I carry on pushing and pushing and staying up late and working hard, which I can easily do in the summertime, if I push that through to the autumn time, I will crash and burn. Then there'll be more pain at bleed time. There'll be more exhaustion. There will be a total, complete, like, shutdown. And actually, that will be enforced upon me. Whereas if I've actually take time to rein it back in a little bit in the autumn. I can settle into the surrender time of the bleed, which is basically you don't need to do anything. It just is happening through. And I actually find that autumn, winter boredom really creative. If I've rested well, it will be a creative time rather than a burnout time. That's really interesting, actually. um, I'm I'm finding right now that my body is going through a major change. Um, Things are happening in it that have never happened before, like... um, uh just um as i'm ovulating i get breast tenderness now which which really didn't used to happen um but also i know on the first day now that i have to rest like yesterday i was just completely mm. like i had to go and have like a two-hour sleep yesterday because yeah. i'm really fatigued um but I can't expect to function in the same way as I did back in my 20s now, I'm 40, almost 45. Um, while I'm still fit and healthy and young, um, my body is doing its thing. It's maturing. So I can't stop that process. And I just have to be more aware of that, that I'm not that 20-year-old I used to be. 
Yeah. And that's a brilliant example of like, that's another cycle. There's the life cycle. We're heading into perimenopause in our forties and fifties and things start to change. And if we have never practiced consciousness of respect for our cycles, it's going to hit us like a fucking ton of bricks because actually the aging process will slow you down. And if you've never practiced self-care, kindness, recognizing that the cycles are, they're real. If we've never done that, then actually as we begin to age, it's incredibly difficult and, and, and it causes all kinds of, you know, (laughs) um, additional stresses that aren't really just about menopause. They're about like we're right, women arriving in their mid forties at the gates of menopause, totally exhausted because they have never once sat down ever because we're programmed to keep on running and that what is valued in our culture is only the external productive element of it. Ovulation, everybody loves ovulation, you know, baking cakes, being sexy, all of that stuff, giving it all away. Actually, the time when you say, no, I need a little bit of time for myself, nobody likes you for that. They're like, no, get back in the kitchen, get back on the show, get back, whatever you do, go and do it. Like, no, I am a cyclical being and I know I will be more productive. Say when I come around to the springtime, I'm now in my spring. So I've just, I bled around at the new moon and there's no particular right way to do this. You just start, if you pay attention, it's like you start opening a dialogue. Like we're having a conversation now and I'm listening to you responding to this. And You can do the same thing with your own cyclical nature. It's like it's an intelligence, a creative intelligence that's encoded in the female body. And if we listen into it, then what will happen is it'll start to talk back. So you might have something like a really major gig that you have to do, some big presentation, and you're like, damn it. I'm going to be bleeding, you know, that it's the wrong time and I can't change the conference or I can't change the meeting. I have to show, but it's like, if you're in an intelligent and sensitive conversation with the cycle, what will happen is, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but you start listening and, and so it, you, you come on a bit later. Do you know what I mean? You don't bleed till later. I had an experience like when I was That's on. really interesting. I hadn't actually clocked that, but I had a webinar to give on, when was it? Uh, Tuesday. And... I got my little one, a webinar to give on Tuesday. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. This is a family show. So, um. Yeah, it's a family show. That's my 12-year-old daughter. She's at home from school doing online art classes. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I was doing um, a webinar and I was a bit concerned. Well, not concerned. I was just a bit surprised that my period hadn't come yet. And then it came the next day. And I was like, oh, okay. Now that you've said that, that really makes a lot of sense. Because yesterday I just needed to rest. Yeah. I think what can happen is um, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful example of exactly how when you're in relationship, you're relating, right relationship with your cyclical nature, which means honoring that it's there. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to talk to you if, you if you ignore them. So you stop ignoring it and go, instead of seeing it as an inconvenience or a repulsive, you know, shameful thing that has to be hidden away, say, no, this is part of who I am. And this is how it is. Then stuff like that, that you've just described happens. And it's, it's like an affirmation. And I remember like having to do a, a massive, there was a big uh, yoga therapists conference in the States and I got invited to give a speech and, and talk to them. And I was all excited about it. It's like, oh yeah, I get to go to America and talk to these people. And I then checked the dates and I was like, damn it. 
I'm going to be right in my bleed and all I want to do is lie quietly in my bed. But actually what happened for me, the time just before the bleed, if I rest well, I get a, a very powerful edge. It's not narky, nasty. It's like a very powerful, critical voice. And I, 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 I preach quite a lot of radical revolutionary stuff, you know. So I use that energy. And, you know, when I started to bleed, I got to the airport after the gig got into the ladies, about to get on the plane, I started to bleed. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, hey, thanks. And it was like, sure, you've been listening to me. I knew what was going on. But if you don't talk to her, if you think, I think of it as a her, you know, she's a, she's an energy. And so you make friends. What I've noticed recently too, if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing a lot of stressing the month before, um, the breast tenderness will, will actually be, far greater and um, last longer. If, if I'm chilled and quiet the month before, then the following month um, the breast tenderness will come a lot later and it won't be as painful. So I've noticed that, and, and what I'm hearing you say really is just noticing what goes on in the body um, because it is different for all of us. And I think one-stop shop ideas, like um, if you do this and this and this, this will work. Uh-huh. It's more like how you know, we're not all the same. We have different weaknesses and we have different strengths in our bodies. And um, and I'm noticing that, that there, is a, there is a change going on. And so if anybody that's listening in and you are in your 40s, and I think most of the mums that do listen to this and women that listen to this are in their 40s, it's yeah. quite normal for us to kind of overlook the fact that we are possibly going through the perimenopause, um, that there are changes. Um, because I guess we're having children a hell of a lot later than we used to. Absolutely. Yeah. So... It's, it's actually, there's a very unusual demographic right now um, on this planet. We've got l- way more postmenopausal women who've survived, you know, because I mean, all our grannies, my granny had like eight kids and was gone by the time she was 70 odd, you know, but we've got more menopausal women. We also have more than ever before, basically, more than ever before. And we have more women like in the perimenopausal place with young families, <laughs> And that is a pretty unholy alliance. Yeah. Yes. What you end up with is perimenopausal mothering, yes. whereas in uh, you know my mother's generation, what would happen is by the time you got to 40, thank God, all the kids had gone. They'd all left because you had your kids in your early 20s. So as, we, as you've done and as I've done, as probably I mean, a lot of listeners have done, it's like, oh, gone into the motherhood thing in the – mid to late 30s, maybe the early 40s. Some women are moving straight out of early years mothering into menopause. I mean, and when we talk about perimenopause, that's like it could go on for 10, 15 years. It's a long process. The average age for, on, for menopause, like actually stopping the periods in the UK is 52. So, but that varies, you know. It can vary anything from like your early 30s to, you know, 60. You know, it's a big span. And part of what I do when, um, is, is listen in to how people navigate some of these odd domestic arrangements like menopausal women and adolescent kids. So that's where, where I am right now in the same domestic space. So with the coronavirus, we're all back home and we're looking at all of this. And you see these dynamics and I feel 
that we make life easier for everybody, ourselves, our creative processes, our relations with our families, if we actually have a good relationship with our own cyclical nature and that we establish that when we've got something to work with that's reliable. So if you work with a reliable menstrual cycle in your you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, you've got, you learn a lot. You learn a lot about yourself and that becomes incredibly useful when you head into the uncharted territory of the perimenopause, which is nobody knows which way is up because like you might bleed for three months and then not bleed for six months and then have another period and then have one in eight days and God knows where you are. So in that situation, it's really hard to clock into the cycles because they're out the window. But if you've had a kind of lifetime of practicing and you can do it even I see on a daily basis, you see the rhythms of the day. So the yoga nidra practice that I share is a key constructive rest practice. It's a deep rest practice that resets your rhythmic cycles. There are things called, they're wonderful. You'd love these things. They're called, um, we've got circadian rhythms, but then we've got ultradian rhythms. So a circadian rhythm is your daily rhythm, but an ultradian rhythm is many times in the day, pretty much like every 90 minutes, you're on a kind of reset process. So you can see when you're working, or when you're with your kids or something, you get to a point where actually, you know, everything melts down and everybody's narky and it's like, yeah, you know, like that kind of witching hour and you just want to, oh, you know, it's called the arsenic hour. It was in our house. You want- yeah. Oh, yeah. So you either want to give arsenic or you want to take it, you know, because it's like, so the arsenic <laughs> hours come in your day and you know those things and they're often places where the, the cycles of the different family members have got out of sync you know, like one's on the up, one's on the crash, What you know, and it all goes a bit crazy. And what you can do is like reset those rhythms. You, a, you have to notice it's happening. So you say, let's just stop. <laughs> let's stop now. And and I find like the practices I've been, I've been sharing these online as well. Like each night I've been doing like a nightly yoga nidra where people just rest. And sometimes with their kids, it's been really beautiful. And everybody comes down together and then rises up together and they're back in sync. It's a beautiful practice. It's so simple, like 15, 20 minutes of just like downtime. What is is the yoga nidra practice and what does it actually mean? Nidra just means sleep. So get this, it's the yoga of sleep. It means you don't have to move. If you, anyone can do it. If you can breathe and if you have ever fallen asleep in your life, you can do yoga nidra. You just need to be able to lie down, keep warm and listen. That's it. That's all you have to do. It's my favorite thing. It's a lifesaver, especially I think in early early parenting years, but like for everyone, you get people of all ages. And so all you need to do is listen. It's like a kind of dream trance practice, and you kind of end up in and out of like trance, asleep, awake. In it can be a very creative process. And we've got uh, loads of free yoga nidras in like 18 different languages on the yoga nidra network site. So I'm I'm busy giving this stuff away because it's so incredibly helpful on a daily basis to have at least one of those practices where you just like dip down. And and kids, I find kids really love it. They either love doing it with you or love the fact that you are a better human being afterwards. (laughs) So, um, in terms of the cycle and the wisdom that's there for all of us as moms and as women, um, the best place, I guess, to start is just to notice, is it? And just to kind of work 
just to notice what your body's telling you because I guess there is the wisdom that's inside the body and that's constantly communicating with us. Um, But also what I'm hearing is, is that slowing down is a really important part of this too, is it? Can you put it weirdly? It's like that. The first spot is, well, in order to notice something, you have to, you have to be willing to recognize that it's there. I mean, and sometimes that's a big step because, I mean, a lot of our, our culture has taught us to be either very ashamed about menstruation or, or to try and, you know, be better than the guys by being like a bloke who doesn't have those kinds of cycles. They have different rhythms, but they're not so predictable as ours. And I think first step is to be willing to admit that the cycles are real, that they are a part of us. We are cyclical beings. And then you can pay attention. Because you can't pay attention to something if you've been trying to pretend it isn't there. First, you have to say, yes, this is me. And then you can pay attention. And it's like the cycle teaches you. Each What I've observed with this so is that each woman is able to, to learn deeper and more about herself the more attention that she pays. And it, it's such... Um, a relief of tension. Do you know what I mean? Like so much energy is put into denying the, that nature, to denying who we really are. It's like we are existing under a fundamental, very energy-consuming tension of having to pretend like we're always ovulating, <laughs> which is so insane, isn't it? <laughs> it? A couple of times, and I'm curious about that. So there's a there's three things that come to mind as you were talking. First of all, um, what you've already said about ovulation. So I'm assuming that ovulation time is a time for us to get creative. Is that correct? Well, it depends. Some women find it creative, like in the outer world. I find it a very like productive and efficient time to engage with people. It's like the lights are up in the outer world. Whereas the other kind of creativity, like some of the deeper work, that's much more suited to the night. One way of thinking about it is like it's a little bit like night and day. You see what I mean? And what we've been encouraged to, to do with it is like to pretend like we never sleep. You imagine that? So can we all just stay awake the whole time, people? Imagine how much more productive we'd be. And it's a little bit like that sometimes with ovulation. It can be a very creative time, but it can also be a time that's actually more, I find it more in service to my outer world life. Yeah. Whereas the nighttime of the cycle, which is people might say, well, you're not doing anything then. No, no. Like I'm dreaming, I'm writing, I'm cooking up stuff. I'm, you know, getting deep into the shadow side of things. And so I find personally, um, although it can be different for, for every person, that there is a kind of, a different kind of creativity lying in the, in the premenstrual time and, and harnessing that instead of it getting turned into like anger and resentment and fights and <laughs> all that stuff. I ch- try and channel it into, into other stuff. And so there's, there's another question that comes to mind too. For those of us who get what could be considered as bad PMS, yeah. so, um, what kind of things can we not do, but certainly tune into? And why, why is that? So I, I know that um, some of us get bad PMS, others don't, others, when they have their, just on the day, the first day or the second day, they have really bad period pains. Other people don't. So I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Like, what is it about that? Why is it that some women get PMS 
really badly, others don't. And why is it that some periods are really, really painful versus ones that aren't? Yeah, I'm just curious about that. Well, there's, there's, there's some very long answers to that. But like the short answer would be that there are constitutional differences. Mm. So if you want to get into things like Ayurveda and yoga therapy, you start to see that like some women are, you know, more air and fire and they're going to get more maybe kind of like anger and sort of that kind of like the people and some people are going to be really turning in on themselves. So they might get depression around the premenstruum or they might get anger issues, but it, it, so it's constitutionally specific, but it is also, I think, regardless of your constitution, if we demonize one part of the cycle and say, that's the part that's troubling, that's the part with the PMS or the period pain, then we don't understand the wholeness. So this is all about coming into wholeness. So if you understand the whole circle, the whole cycle all is impacting on every other part of the cycle. So what I've observed is that the women, if we really overdo it and really push it, then the PMS will be worse. You spoke about how if I've had a really you know, difficult time in the month, my breast tenderness will be more intense. It's a biofeedback system. So what happens at the premenstruum, and this is like the yoga, like women's yoga is like, you're going to tune into your studying your own self, you know? And so you're working with practices that allow you to feel and see what might show up as premenstrual tension or as period pain could be directly related to really pushing instead of just taking your nice week of like out there energetic stuff and ovulation, you push it right the way through to the last minute and keep running until you crash. So sometimes the best way to work with what seems like a PMS problem is to look across at the other side of the cycle and say, ah, if I overdo it here and take on too much, I'm going to really feel it at the other end. Maybe I need to say no a little bit more. Maybe I need to claw back a little bit more time so that I can really feel the wobble points, you know, like the the, the crossing points where you're crossing. When is actually, when do I feel my energy really beginning to start to wane? Is it right before I bleed or is it actually calling for me to feel that maybe the week before I might need to shift? It's like shifting gear, you know? So what do you might complain that the car has a problem as you shift down as you go up the hill, but the problem started lower down at the bottom of the hill when you should have changed gear before. Do you see what I mean? Like if you can change your gears down and maybe just do a 1% difference makes all the difference. Like actually... Instead of doing the big shop on the day before the bleed, you say, no, I'm going to do that three days before. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of calibrating. It's a dance. And so things like premenstrual, um, premenstrual tension, but, but extreme period pain can be, um, you can work with that, A, by taking more rest time and B, by thinking about choices for receiving the blood. So I've seen a lot of women with this these practices making different choices around what they do with their blood, whether you have like a moon cup or you use sponges or you use pads and you actually let things flow, that can change things. It's worth experimenting with all the ways that physiologically, emotionally, spiritually, um, connecting with your, your vital energies. In yoga therapy, we have five bodies. So when we look at the physical body, we'll say, oh, well, I'm getting pain here. Or you look at the emotional body and say, no, I'm getting PMS, I'm getting tension here. What's that about? Is that because actually energetically and emotionally you are overextended 
Or is there something deep higher up in the other bodies? You've got physical, you've got emotional, you've got energetic bodies. You've also got an intuitive body. And if we listen into the intuition, sometimes what we find that what we're being called to do will actually manifest as improvements um, in the physical challenges we have. You know, the physical body is not just, that's only one part of you. It's a bit you can see, but there are like four other bodies. That's what we're working with in yoga. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And um, it's interesting because we focus so much on the one that we can see versus the ones we can't because they're they're invisible. Um, So I guess what I'm hearing in terms of what you're sharing is that we just need to really listen in, tune in, but also actually make rest um part of that you know i i um before covid19 um i would bring mums here to javier and they would come and chill and um and um they they would find it really difficult all of them find it really difficult in the first day to just keep still mm-hmm. but by the second day they are just so exhausted that they just end up just wanting to sleep all the time. Yeah. And, and what I really see in that, and I see it for myself, is um, that because we are so out of sync and linear, that we don't actually experience the fatigue or the, or the exhaustion because we're so, we're so used to carrying on. It's only when we stop and we feel that we've even got a body that... <laughs> that we experience actually what our body's asking us for. At least that's the way I'm seeing it now. It may well change, but um, yeah. And Marina, I think you, that's exactly it. You put it really, really beautifully. And, and it's, you can only go so long just ignoring all of this stuff because it's real. Will come find you in some way, and, and it's not a great thing in an aging body crashing in the menopause when when we, when you've got less available energy for actually paying attention, and when things have got confused. My strong recommendation is like listen up now, <laughs> and uh, and put in rest, even as a daily part of the daily rhythm. I live in a country that completely reveres it, siesta. Exactly. You have, I mean, I joke that like, yeah, the, the yoga nidra is one thing, but like the Iberian nidra is siesta. <laughs> it, it's siesta. You, you see it. it. It's deeply connected. And that's one of the things I found shocking in the United States was this relentless, yeah. relentless early mornings, late nights. Nobody, no, you know, the whole situation is crazy. And like a little after, you know, afternoon tea. We have that here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and like this, you see in your own culture and wherever you're listening, you know, you can say, well, we do have little remnants of that. I'm sure the Irish, we have like, you know, will you, you put the kettle on, will you sit down and listen into each other and take a pause or, you know, people are obviously you know, down the pub or what have you, but like that none of these things are available right now. So like looking into your own rhythms, I found it really helpful just to, when you're in, in charge of your own rhythms and, and respecting them when you're at home, it, it's actually your call. It's your call. And you notice you wouldn't like, not drink water if you felt thirsty. You just reach for the water. So what are, we, what are we doing to ourselves if we're feeling tired and we just keep on keeping on? 
I mean, sometimes you have to stay up all night because somebody's ill or a child is sick or you, you've got a deadline, you know. So we can pull those things out of the hat. We're humans. We can adapt. We can do that. But if you have, if you're running on empty, you can't do that. Do you see what I mean? You never know when you might be called on to do that stuff. But like, if you've got a regular, basic, general kind of like respect for rest, that will inform how we respond to all cycles, daily cycles, seasonal cycles, menstrual cycles, you know, all the cycles. Yeah, it is. And I guess a lot of it is also not knowing, you know, and, and, and being conditioned. Um, that's why I moved away from London. And that's why I now live where I do. Because I, I live in a very sleepy little town on the east coast of Spain. And it really calls for a much slower way of life. Um, one that I think in my 20s and 30s, I would have just gone, oh, my God, this is so boring. But now, um, very much like, yeah, no, this is exactly the type of lifestyle I want. Um, and there's something to be said about just being quiet and, and listening to what your body is actually asking you for. And I have moments where I don't do it um, and then I pay for it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, sorry. Okay, I can start again. Um, so it really, I think I think this time especially, um, there is an amazing opportunity for us to be able to listen to our bodies and, and for us to slow down because guess what? I'm just going to take a nap. Um, So, yeah, Uma, you know, I I know that you've written countless amounts of books. What's your last book that you've written about? Well, the most useful one in relation to what we've we've been talking about is a book called Yoni Shakti, A Woman's Guide to Power and Freedom Through Yoga and Tantra. It's like a big red book, and that's that's what's relevant because it integrates what we've been talking about yoga and what we've been talking about. Um, through uh, cyclical awareness, yeah. So I'm currently working on a big book about rest, but you know I can't lose any sleep about it. So it's taking <laughs> a long time. I love it. And I'm just yeah. So that's what I'm working on now. But but Yoni Shakti is like literally it means source power. That's what it means. So it's like how to tap into that, and that's the one I think would probably be most most relevant. Yeah. Well, I'll ask. We can put it into the show notes. I just, I just need links to to the book. If yeah. You can. Yeah, I'll make sure I send those. And there's there's all kinds of really uh, either free or really affordable ways to like get a little bit of guidance about cycle awareness. So my friends at Red School are great people to connect with. Um, Red School are like they're kind of like menstruality online service, and they've got some good stuff too. And they're, and they're free nidras. You can just download whatever language you fancy. Well, we'll make sure that we put the links in the show notes. So Please, wonderful other times. Yeah. We can make sure that people can have access to that. So thank you so much for coming on today. If somebody wants to contact you, uh, wants to kind of go, hey, I don't know, like let's go into the red tent together, how can they do that? Well, you can reach out to me through the yonishakti.co website or you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, also Uma dinsmore Tuli. So we've got... And right now, for the COVID age, we've got these wonderful nightly nidras for free, which people can listen into and help people get into the rest mode. And they're on the Facebook page. Ah, could you send that link over so that we've got it? They're the live ones. I'm going to do one like, you know, 10 o'clock tonight. We've changed the time so people in different time zones. Some people do them in the morning. So the Aussies show up in the morning and then the people here are 
drifting off to sleep with their kids. So that's a nice service, I think, that you can access. Yeah, that would be cool. And I'd like to do that together with Leo. Cool. Yeah, you'd be so welcome. So thank you so much for coming on. And for those of you that can hear Leo in the background, uh, once again, you know, it's COVID time. So... It is. He's got to flow with. We. we, He's got to flow with it. So thank you so much, and I hope you got as much out of it as I did. Until the next time. Bye bye for now. And there we have it. Another beautiful episode of the joy of being. Now, if you got something from this, and you know somebody that could really, really do with a boost of positivity and joy, then please do share the episode with them. It's amazing the ripple effect that these episodes can have on others. Failing that, if you'd like like to join a different conversation around what's going on in in these uncertain times, then please do join the Facebook group, The Breathing Space for Hardworking Mummers. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash The Breathing Space for Mums in Business. 